Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Vince is out this week. And that means you should get a better, more entertaining, high-quality podcast. Thank you, Justice and Jeremy. Yes, Bill's Mafia, that is correct. I am Vince Taylor, and I am also out on vacation this week. And what that means for you is you are going to get a better more entertaining, high-quality podcasts than you normally would in this time slot. Thank you very much to Justice and Jeremy for taking the time to pick up the slack for this lazy bum this week. Without further ado, Justice and Jeremy. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to Buffalo on the Brain. Uh, today, There, there's no Vince Taylor this week, unfortunately. Although we all love Vince, uh, he is busy this week uh so he asked us to step in two of his best friends (laughs) uh me i am justice general uh also me and him are part of the built in buffalo network together we have a really great friend today uh jeremy you want to go ahead and introduce yourself man yes uh you can find me on twitter at bff underscore jeremy i co-host the buffalo bootleg with uh my co-host max underhill on the buffalo fanatics channel uh, we've had Vince on. Well, I've had Vince on a couple times, and I've also been on his show a couple times. And uh, you and I were kind of talking about recording together, so we finally got to do that as well. Kind of killed two birds with one stone. But uh, yeah, right. happy to be here. Happy to help out Vince. Yeah, <laughs> I actually do have a podcast as well called The Windshield Factor on the Built in Buffalo Network that comes out Tuesdays. And uh, with any luck, I definitely wanted you know to have you. Uh, on the show, my show as well. So uh, we're definitely going to have to make that happen. Definitely. uh, All right, perfect. Sounds good. Um, So we're just going to hop in right into it. Uh, You know, Vince, you know, he has his own platform, so we're just going to go ahead and stick with that. Uh, And we're going to do five questions each. And so I have, we both have lists of 10 questions and the other person will have to pick a corresponding number. If you listen to the show, you you know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. What, what number would you like between 1 and 10, Mr. Jeremy? Oh, uh, you have 10? Or Yeah, 1 and 10, and then we'll do 5 each. Okay, we'll do 5. Okay. So uh, I will start off with, let's go with, uh, with Tyler Bass, number 2. I'll do the same thing as far as like just picking players with their numbers. <laughs> so it's funny same. that I'm not the only one that does that. All right, cool. So, all right, my question. Stefan Diggs was the leading rusher, I'm sorry, leading receiver in yards and in receptions last year and was first team all pro. Mm-hmm. He broke, shattered virtually every single Bills single season record. Do you think he can replicate that this year or can he do better or you think he's going to take a step back? Um, I kind of think it's similar to, you know, it, like when we ask, can Josh Allen replicate what he did? And for Baltimore, I think the answer is 
you know, statistically, like maybe not, and that's okay. Um, maybe he doesn't replicate it, but you know, that's just because of, of how well they both did. Uh, and if he doesn't replicate it, like it's, I wouldn't say it's because he has a down year. It's just maybe slightly more. Um, you know, maybe he just has a, you know, a twelve hundred yard season. Where did he have like what fifteen hundred last yeah. year? Yeah, so fifteen thirty five, I believe. Yeah, so maybe he just has like twelve or thirteen hundred yards, which is still like great, Amazing. you know. Um, you know, touchdowns. I think he, I want to say he had around seven in I that neighborhood. Eight, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that part I think he could um, he could replicate absolutely. He I think he could definitely have seven touchdowns again. So um, can he absolutely replicate it? I think it'd be kind of difficult, at least the touchdowns. But again, if the yardage doesn't really work for him. Um, I, I think it's fine. It's not a loss. Like I said, maybe it's just twelve or thirteen hundred yards, and maybe it's because we have a healthy Emmanuel Sanders all season, um, kind of dipping into it. Whereas this past season we had a not so healthy John Brown, so maybe that kind of helped him a little bit. But um, so and that would be like a good problem, you know. We just all of our receivers, him, Beasley, uh, Sanders, maybe even like Gabe Davis, just they're all healthy and they're all kind of taken away. So that would be, that's my thoughts. How about you? Yeah. I, to, to your point, you know, there were games last year where Stefan Diggs seemed like the only one who was being productive at all, like mm-hmm. uh, the first half uh, versus the Steelers. Then you had like the, the Ravens game where it seemed like, you know, there was nobody else really stepping up his steps, Stefan Diggs. So he was able to accumulate crazy number of yards. So uh, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. He got a lot of targets because of that. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I could agree. Um, I, you know, have been kind of preaching all along that I think that they're about to hit the stratosphere. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's just, I guess, me being hopeful. But um, I, I definitely could, could see that as well. Yeah, I remember, you know, before this last season started, our uh, one of our um, leaders at Buffalo Fanatics, Pierre, he was posting like some hype videos saying, Josh Allen was going to be an MVP candidate. And of course, none of us were expecting the jump. A lot of us were like, oh, okay, like, you know, we, he'll probably improve, but I don't know about all that. And he absolutely did it. So, I mean, this is one of those things that I'm sure you would agree. I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong. Maybe he does even better. Uh, he goes from like 45 total touchdowns to like um, 52. And yeah, if he does it, great. Like, and he can because he proved us a lot of us wrong before. So, it, so again, you said you said Pierre said that Josh was going to be MVP candidate last year. Yeah, this past year for the twenty twenty season, he's oh, got shout out to Pierre. Great, yeah, great he's got the. <laughs> sure you can find the hype videos on YouTube to prove it. I'm sure they're still there. And uh, and again, you know, it's not like you know you're trying to be negative, but you're just kind of looking at year one to year two, and you think obviously he made such a huge jump that nobody it was like unprecedented so you can't blame anybody for saying that probably won't happen but hey it's one of those things you're happy to be wrong about absolutely absolutely all right so um your list yes so my um questions all have a theme i was uh and i kind of mentioned it to you so well most of them do there's one different one um but there is a bit of a theme to it so uh one through five what would you like? Uh, give me, well, since we're going to get to all of them, I'll just go five. Okay. So that's the one question that is different from the rest. And uh, it's, you know, it was just mentioned yesterday that the, a new stadium is a very real thing in the near future. Um, 
I have never been to Buffalo. I was not born or anything there. I was born and raised in California. Yeah, I am a, you know, I've said this a few times throughout multiple podcasts, but my stepdad's family is from Buffalo. So he was a Bills fan and I grew up watching him. So that's kind of like why I started watching him. So that's how I came into my Bills fandom. So my, my opinion on like a Bills stadium a new stadium and on the Ralph is kind of like very moot because I don't have an emotional attachment to it at all. I've never been there. Um, so for you, I'm, I'm assuming you live close in the area where you're at. Are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on a new stadium. You know, do you even, are you like a new stadium or renovate the current or, or what, how do you feel about it? Well, I think that the old stadium was pretty beat up. Um, I think there was even a situation where, like, New York State was saying that if the Bills didn't get a new stadium soon, there was going to be consequences. Uh, but that was back when we weren't a very good team. So thank God that we became a good team around the time we needed a new stadium. <laughs> so, well, even, um, Roger, even Roger Goodell made a comment about it, like, last yeah. year or something, correct? So, I mean, sorry, exactly. I'll, I'll let you finish, and then I'll, I'll turn it in. Oh, no, you're, you're perfectly fine. Um, I had never been to i have excuse me never been to a regular season nor postseason for that matter bills game uh i was only ever able to make the games uh like preseason games there were like kids day uh games there's always a kids day i think for the third preseason game um uh if it's home you know typically um and so for me, I kind of wanted the, the stadium downtown just so the inner city kids such as myself, you know, growing up would be able to go and see the games. And, you know, um, because, you know, there's not a lot of access out to Orchard Park for a lot of kids. So that was kind of my thinking. But I do understand the thought process uh, behind having the stadium in such, um, Orchard Park. Excuse me. I don't know if I said Central Park, but I meant Orchard Park. <laughs> um, so. And, and then there was, you know, me, I wanted a dome just because I see what happens when Josh plays, you know, in Buffalo. A lot of times uh, he talks about not being able to uh, feel the tail of the ball and know where it's going, uh, being able to, uh, you know, just control it through through the wind and everything else. And, you know, when you have a quarter, a generational talent at back, I think that you do anything you can to make him comfortable. Um, and I think I thought that, you know, having a dome would probably be the situ- best situation for Josh Allen specifically. Uh, but then again, it is Buffalo. People look forward to Buffalo for the snow games and everything else. So I definitely understand the other side. I'm more so just thinking about it from, you know, things that really matter to me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, hey, man, I'm happy we're getting a new stadium regardless, um, you know, because I'm still going to be a Bills fan. doesn't matter that much. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, because I don't have the attachment, I feel like I can have the, uh, like a very kind of unabashed, um, like opinion. Uh, you know, a lot of people mentioned like the snow games. And I remember the Bills versus Colts, like the Blizzard game. And I was watching it on TV, and it was kind of hard to enjoy <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was, like, almost no passing game. Uh, we, we were missing, like, short field goals. It just – it that wasn't fun. You know, it's supposed to be it a – messy. A, it's a competitive sport, and some people were act like they were just watching, mm-hmm. like, a, and, and we're trying to get into the playoffs, too, you know, and some people were just like, oh, that was so fun. And I just thought, like, how? It was I, – I, I didn't really enjoy it. 
Um, and again, and that was on TV. I'm sure people who were there, they have like, it was probably a really fun memory and I totally get that. And you know, you, you're, you're being happy with what you're given and I, and that's totally sure. fine. But, um, for me, it's like, what, what are the players like feel better about doing, you know, because do you like going to the stadium because you just like being there and hanging out or do you like to watch what's on the field? For me, I would think you want to see what's on the field and it's a bonus, you know, enjoying being there. So, uh, what, what's going to be best for the players overall? Um, are you open air stadium or overhang or retractable roof or dome? Are you just, are you a dome Is that your pick? Uh, well, first, firstly, and foremost, thank God for LaShawn McCoy for that snow game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, secondly, um, I, you know what, a retractable roof would be cool. Um, I don't I know we're not, you know, one of the high market teams like Dallas. So I know the funding for that might not be easy to get, uh, yeah. but I feel like a retractable roof would probably be ideal just because you could, you know, have those games where you open the stadium and, and, uh, you know, have either the sun or maybe a little bit of snow falling. But at, at the same time, if weather conditions are for, you know, 25 degree winds, like they, you know, easily get to be in Buffalo, especially in the Ralph where like the winds are swirling. So it's hard for everybody involved. Uh, so I, I always felt like having a dome or like something above, you know, to to kind of just slow the motion of the the natural forces. Yeah, would probably be ideal. Yeah, my thoughts. I I would say you know retractable roof because I feel like everybody gets what they want that way. Um, if it if the weather's nice, keep it open. You get your open air, go for it. Uh, if if we have a, a game at Sunday at one p.m and you're supposed to get just dumped on the night before, like close it up for the night. Like, so you don't have to sit there. So you don't need people, players scraping like their, their cleats so you can see the yeah. the field markers, you know, like who wants to do that? So yeah. I think, I think a retractable roof again, I have no idea what the cost is. Um, so that may not be a thing. They've mentioned an overhang similar to um, yeah. the Dolphin Stadium. Yeah. Which I think is, is not a bad mm-hmm. idea either. So Anyhow, that is my thoughts on the new stadium. Okay. Yep. Same here. I, I'm a pretty, it seems like we pretty much agree there. Um, so number one through 10 minus number two. All right. I'm going to go with the, uh, let's go with our, our new punter, Matt Hawk, number three. I'll, I'll give it numerical. Perfect. Okay. Um, this one is about RB1. There has been lots of good things coming from minicamp about running back Antonio Williams, who, I mean, I'm just going to say he absolutely balled out in the week 17 versus Miami, which kind of shocked everybody. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it shocked everybody, but it definitely shocked me. Uh, So uh, what are your thoughts on the running back room? Who's going to be RB1 and what is the rotation going to look like? Um, I think it is crowded. So when you talk about Antonio Williams, he did have a, a a really good game against Miami, and I love I love seeing that. I like seeing uh, you know practice squad guys, you know undrafted people come in and and show up. I think that's awesome. Um, however, for me, I think you know is how defeated was that defense at that point? Like how how hard was the defense playing when he was doing his thing? Um, that would be my question. You know, can he replicate that? That's why I'm really happy there's a preseason uh, this year because. 
we get to see those players. We get to see him. We get to see uh, Christian Wade again. Um, however, I think I think he's automatically behind uh, Singletary Moss and Matt Breda. Breda, I'm not sure how we say that. But um, and you just asked my thoughts on the running back room in general, right? So my question is, I mean, we brought in Matt Breda. We still have Moss and Singletary. And then there is, I believe, Taiwan Jones is still on the roster, correct? Yeah, but he's a special teamer. Right. So since since uh, McBean's been here, there's always been that fourth running back who's a special teamer. In this case, Taiwan Jones. Some people say maybe Matt Breida can do that. However, Antonio Williams won like a special teamer award in college, I believe, like for special teams. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, like special teams is, you know, the part of the game that I know the least about. And I think a lot of people would probably say that they just think, you mean they don't just kick it and try to tackle the guy? (laughs) Tackle Um, the guy, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I know there's more to it. So I can't tell you which is which. So, I mean, yeah, maybe Antonio Williams definitely has a a shot at that fourth running back spot. Um, Matt Burita is very interesting. It would be... I would kind of be bummed to see them bring him in just to make him inactive every week. Um, but that's usually how it goes. We don't keep four running back at, uh, running backs active every week. Um, I think Moss and Singletary, like people talk about, are they going to, will they switch off, you know, here and there? Um, I don't know. I think you really got to see what Moss and Singletary can do with a good season with improved run blocking. And you'll probably come across that topic later on in this episode um but being drafted them for a reason so to start making one of them inactive each week or and and to not see what you have with them as like your one-two punch i think would be um you know too premature right now i think you got to give them both a full season with improved run blocking to see what they can do um so yeah it really comes down to you know can antonio williams take that fourth running back spot can matt Breida? be active most games because he brings that speed element. I think we all want to see that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I get that sentiment and honestly, probably in my, my heart of hearts, I feel the same way, but I, I, at the same time, I know that they're not necessarily happy with the run game, mm-hmm. uh, at least not the execution. Um, right. And, and I'm, I'm sure that seeing Antonio Williams uh, run all over the Dolphins defense was a, a welcome sight, you know. Uh, and also, the beautiful thing is Antonio Williams was a rookie last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not like Singletary or Moss where first or second round picks, you know what I mean? Um, I, I do think they have secured their spots as probably, you know, the two-headed one and two, you know, punch. But I think that Antonio Williams probably could make some noise. I think that Matt Breida has to earn – his position. I, I don't necessarily know if I want to see Matt Breida coming out of the backfield, like, you know, you hand it off to him and let him find a hole and do whatever. I, I would love to see Matt Breida in, in screens. Like, uh, oh my God, to watch that speed go out there and, and uh, you know, in open field. I would love to see that. Uh, but as far as punching a hole, I think as of right now, I'm more comfortable with Antonio Williams, especially after, you know, we, we didn't hear very much about any of the running backs except for Antonio Williams, which is kind of odd because, uh, you know, Devin Singletary to me is pretty special. I think he has the potential to be a top 10 back in the league. Yeah. Uh, I met Zach Moss. I like Zach Moss. 
I do think he's a little redundant to Zach Singletary, or I'm sorry, uh, Devin Singletary sometimes. I think they have like a similar, at least similar productivity. You know what I mean? Like maybe they don't play exactly the same way, but they pretty much get you the same exact result. Yeah, I think there's more of an overlap with them when it yeah. comes to their like skill set and, and play style. And I, I mean, statistically, I don't think there was really, there wasn't many games where I think one of them really outperformed the other one. Yeah. Um, I think there's flashes. I know some people will talk about the Patriots game. Cause Zach Moss had two touchdowns and I'm not trying to like talk him down, but I'm like, well, that's because, you know, McDermott gave him like the red zone touches. You put Singletary in there. I think he could also probably get those touchdowns. Um, and then there's the, you know, Singletary had like that 50 something yard run against the Broncos. Um, but they, I think they ended with like about the same uh, like yards per carry. Um, but yeah, I agree with you when you kind of talk about the uh, the redundancy. Um, it was interesting to see, you know, McDermott and Bean kind of do like that back to back third rounders. I think there's pros and cons to having two similar backs. Um, and again, them bringing in Brita. I'm wondering if they're already kind of like regretting that in a way. Um, either way, I think we do. It is talented. We the, the run blocking just has to improve. And I think once it does, I think Absolutely. we'll be happy with everybody we have. And and honestly, to your point, I think that uh, a, another year of continuity amongst the offensive line, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be awesome for the run game. Uh, so I, I think that uh, Feliciano, Williams, you know, Dawkins, uh, Morris, you know, uh, I'm not forgetting. Um, Feliciano? I said Feliciano, but oh, you, you, you get what I mean. Bates, right. are, no, I don't know about Bates, but <laughs> the <laughs> offensive line gets another year of continuity. Um, and I think that that's going to be you know good for those guys to mm-hmm. just – because, you know, we look at what happened, you know, before Josh was drafted uh, when it was like Tyrod Taylor and uh, LaShawn McCoy back there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first year wasn't great, you know, running. But then the second year when everybody came back, we were like the top rushing team in the league. So yeah. I'm hoping that we see similar, you know, uh, results from in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. And um, the O-line will come up again for sure in our in our uh, this episode. So I'll kind of save some some questions or some of my comments on that. But um, are you ready to pick your next question? Absolutely. Uh, give me number one. And there it is. There it is. That's <laughs> uh, so. This question. So the rest of mine are, are kind of based on like position groups, and this one I, I try to make a little different. And this question is, I I kind of picked these two position groups because I feel like they are going to be the most similar to the previous years. Uh, like when we talk about continuity, and that's our our defensive secondary and our O line. Um, I think both those position groups are going to come back vast greatly unchanged for the most part um you know on defense like micah hyde and jordan poyer they're going to be back taron johnson is going to be back uh trey white um dane jackson and levi wallace are all going to be back so not a lot is changing there and then on the o-line we are going to have obviously our tackles we're going to have um deon dawkins mitch morse and uh daryl williams back um feliciano i mean if he's healthy i'm I think it's safe to say that he will be starting. I don't think we really brought brought in that much competition for him. Um, So really the only question is, uh, I guess with that, I would say which position group do you have like the most questions about, or which one are you like the most curious about heading into this season? Um, What do you think? 
which of those two? Yeah, just if we're going to stick to those two, because like I said, those are kind of like the most unchanged, I think. Right. Um, I I think that the I've said this before, but I feel like that the Bills were an ultra talented roster. We didn't necessarily have any holes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that if you could point out a weakness of our team, it would probably be the trenches on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. I think that it was it was a little shocking draft weekend seeing what what Bean was doing like in real time. It was just like a shock to see everything coming in back to back. Like like okay, Rousseau, Basham, Brown. Like oh my god, like what's happening? Like because yeah. especially where there are other players there to be had. Definitely. But you know when I look back at it as a whole, I, it makes sense. It's like okay, your two biggest weaknesses are your offensive line and defensive line. Why not go out and get humongous athletic guys that can, you know, make make the, you know, trenches more favorable for us? You know what I mean? So I think that going out and, and getting, you know, those tackles was probably gonna it's probably gonna be beneficial for us in, in, in the future. Even if yeah. they don't necessarily make an impact like right away, I think that the direction that is being going is that is you know we're headed in is going to be one that is beneficial to us to the point where we have a monstrous old line maybe two three years from now you know what yeah. I mean? um and i think that's going to bode well for for josh allen when you know because the thing about josh allen is josh allen is so special that you can't blitz him because he's going to make one of your people miss and then he's going to you know make you pay for it uh you can't just rush four because he's going to stand there and he's going to move the pocket and then he's going to make you pay for it. You know, yeah. you can't play man because then you have no one watching him and he's going to make you pay. Like, you know what I mean? So if you give him a offensive line, which will inevitably help the running game, mm-hmm. uh, I think sky's the limit. I mean, we, we have a formidable defense, but, you know, we remember we've had a – great defense all these years and we were never able to accomplish anything but then the first year we get an elite quarterback play we go to the afc championship game and our defense wasn't even good to start the year right yeah they're so pretty bad it, exactly they got better, right they, they, started they got a lot bad. better toward the end right but um i think giving josh and that running game an o-line with a continuity and then you know bringing in some competition some size some strength some uh, some some just athleticism i think it's gonna it's gonna pay dividends in the future yeah um i feel like maybe we uh we didn't have a lot of sexy picks you know i I think people were probably surprised that when we went o-line it was like developmental tackles and no guards would you agree with that i think a lot of us were expecting like a, a guard to be drafted in the second or third round I think the guard play in the NFL is a little below average right now. There mm-hmm. aren't a ton of great guards and there are very few good guards. I think like, for instance, you look at Gabe Jackson out of uh, Las Vegas, he was touted to be one of the best guards in free agency this year. And he's not that good. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that, uh, you know, maybe they're like, okay, there's an abundance of great tackle play so if we get tackles maybe we can have them you know turn into possible you know switch players or you know just have some impact at the guard position 
So I think that Brandon Bean was just thinking outside of the box. So I, I'm all for it. And Brandon Bean has given me no reason to ever doubt him. So until he does, you know. Yeah, we and something you mentioned the last time is you talked about continuity and, you know, how some of these picks make sense. Um, and you, you talk about having another year of continuity with the offensive line. Um, we did, They almost didn't have that much continuity this year when it came to the guards, you know, because uh, – Quentin Spain was That's he, he just Spain. he dropped the ball so he was he he was gone pretty quickly. Uh, Cody Ford moved over. Brian Winters came in. Then Cody Ford got injured. Uh, Brian Winters was just Awful. being yeah terrible, just being a turnstile. My favorite one of my favorite things I saw this year was uh it was the uh, the coach's angle and the, the ball is snapped and Josh is sitting there and Winters is just getting beat like. He can't get his guy on the left. Oh, Josh the guy Allen. is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah but Josh Allen's yeah. watching it, and it's like, you know, when the defender goes right, Josh Allen went left, so yeah. he's like, damn it. So then he goes back to the other side, and he goes that. It was somebody made the joke that like Josh Allen was basically doing uh, Brian Winters' job for him. <laughs> it's like, don't worry about how this move. Um, Literally, yeah. And then you know, finally Feliciano comes back, and then he's starting, but then you know Ford gets hurt, and then I Butker comes in. So the, the guard play. I, like you said, I think this shows that, you know, I think McBean, they like what they have. It's just, you got to remember, we, they, we didn't get our, with the O-line we were supposed to have all season. Um, so maybe, you know, like you said, that's why we didn't, we didn't draft a guard so high. Um, tackles are definitely way more valuable. And Spencer Brown sounds like somebody who could become a very good one. And Daryl Williams, I'm you know, he's not, yeah, Daryl Williams isn't like, old but he's you know definitely in his late 20s so and he's had some injuries so you never know um so yeah so it, it seems like i guess you'd say definitely more questions with the o-line as opposed to the secondary yeah i think there's i think there's promise in the secondary i think mm-hmm. it, it's it's very consistent it's been a strong point for us for years now yeah. uh you know micah and jordan are all should be all pros they're mm-hmm. uh, pro bowlers. Excuse me. Obviously, Trey White's an all-pro pro bowler. I think that Dane Jackson is ultra-talented. Uh, or Not ultra-talented, but I think he can be ultra-talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levi Wallace, you know, I, I used to really, really have uh, a lot of hate for Levi. I used to call him, like, Leviability Wallace, mm-hmm. you know, because if someone was getting beat, it was Levi. But, yeah. you know, when I, when I take a look at it, you know, Levi hasn't had – the fairest shape, you know what I mean? He was an undrafted free agent. He came out and he's won the starting position. He's never not started a game he's played in, which to me is mind boggling when you're an undrafted free agent for an AFC championship caliber team to never have not started a game. It means you're doing something right. So I can't be mad at you. You know what I mean? Um, So uh, I think that there's promise there. Obviously, Teron Johnson, you can say what you want about Teron Johnson, but he made two season franchise altering plays Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same exact season, he was the difference between us being a good and a great team. Because if we don't beat the Steelers, we're just a good team. If we yeah. don't beat the Ravens, we're just a good team. You know what I mean? But because we were able to get over those humps, and those were two huge plays, uh, yeah. we be, we were a great team. You know what I mean? So I, I, everything he does is appreciated. Um, I I uh, you know with Taryn, like I, I I hate saying this because I know some people like. You think of those two plays, and you're right. They were the, some of the most memorable plays from this season. Um, for me, I can't help 
but think about his inconsistency. And it was mostly like the first half of the season. Um, you know, I, I understand having a couple bad plays here and there, maybe a bad game or two, but he had like a, a seriously rough stretch and to the point where he got benched for an undrafted free agent. And then, and then he, he, he uh, picked it up after that. Um, me personally, like I don't want a player who has to get, who has to play terribly and then get benched to finally start doing what they're supposed to do. Um, again, he played very well, but I don't think his, um, you know, he's going into a contract year and I do think he has to prove it this year. I think if he has another year of like inconsistency, then I think we got to he has another year. Him. Like he had last year, he probably won't be on the team next year. Um, but like, it just, I was like I said, I, I appreciate the, the the things he did do for us. I, I do think that yeah, uh, for sure. he's he's young, you know, he has a chance to get better. I yeah. like him, you know, I'm 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 rooting for the guy. Uh but yeah. I to your point, I do think that if he has another year like last year, he probably won't be on the team again. Yeah. Um and you mentioned Levi, and I wanna, you know, when we go back to this the secondary. Um we ha- we have the same players that made our defense like top five top three the year before so the fact that you know we didn't upgrade cb2 um i'm okay with that because i it's like we've seen these these players like take our defense to this level so i think they're deserving of like another shot and obviously so does mcdermott and Bean because they're doing it so um yeah so there's my secondary and o-line stuff anything else on that topic well real quick uh the, one of the founders of built in buffalo did say he did say that uh a rich you know shout out to king rich he said that excuse me he said that uh if levi wallace is your floor at cb2 then you're not doing too bad you mm-hmm. know what i mean so I, I do take that into consideration and, and i believe in that wholeheartedly because levi wallace is not a bad cb2 he's actually one yeah. of the more decent CB2s in the league. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, uh, I always but, thought, you know, I was, I, I felt, yeah, we could upgrade over Levi Wallace, but I was all for keeping him on the team. I was like, if he's CB3, you know, and somebody yeah, gets he's injured. He's CB3. Yeah. If he, if somebody gets hurt and he has to go in, you don't have to be like, oh man, Wallace is going in there. You're more, you're like, oh, okay. Like it's, Thank it's God, Levi, Levi, no big deal. Yeah. yeah. It was almost kind of like in the, previous seasons where you know you're like uh if you know if if josh had to go out for a few plays and barkley had to come in um you didn't feel terrible about it but but honestly levi wallace i think is a much better cornerback than matt barkley is a quarterback but we kind of had that that thought process for a little bit there but yeah um i'm glad he still came back like i said keep him on the roster for as long as you can like he's he's definitely you know reliable but if you have the opportunity to upgrade him, I think you should take the shot. But yeah, I have no problem keeping him on the roster. And he wants to be in Buffalo, so that's a plus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we—is it my turn or your turn? Oh no, um, wait, it's my turn to question. pick. Yeah, it's my turn to okay, pick. Okay, so we got one through ten minus number two and number three. Correct. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump up to new wide receiver Marquez Stevenson, number five. I believe he's number five. Okay, so we're pretty much talking about the same thing. Um, <laughs> oh, is it uh, so, the same question? No, no, it's it's different questions. Just 
kind of goes into what we've been talking about already, just the continuity of the Bills. Mm. Um, we are returning 21 out of 22 starters. The only starter we're not returning is John Brown, and we replaced him with Super Bowl champion Emmanuel Sanders. So I think John Brown actually is a Super Bowl champion too, but yeah, I digress. Maybe. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think he may have got one with the Ravens, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, no, because he was only on the Ravens the year before he came to us, and the Ravens didn't make it that year. Okay. All right. So I might be wrong then. Um, but in any case, uh, bringing back 21 of 22 starters, how important do you think that is for the development of McDermott being Josh Allen, every, you know, just the Bills uh, you know, in general? What do you think that means for them, and how could it be beneficial? Um, well, last off season, like all we heard was continuity because like it was a COVID off season. There wasn't a, a preseason or anything. So we constantly heard about how good continuity would be and look what happened. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors. There's continuity. There's a uh, Stefan Diggs. Um, there's Josh Allen taking the jump he did. So who knows? Um, you know, which is which, but we heard about it all year last year. So why not throw it in there again? Um, yeah. So are you just talking about all everything in general, right? Just the offense and the defense? Yeah. Just like, what do you think having that continuity of bringing back almost pretty much the full starting on both sides of the ball? Uh, what do you think that can do for our chances to become champions? Um, I guess kind of just like what I was saying. I mean, you bring back all the starters, they know the playbook and they're familiar with each other. Just continuity, comfortability, just how tight everybody is with each other. Yeah. There's a couple um, new people, but I don't think you're ever going to bring back a hundred percent of everybody. Uh, this might be a little bit out of my, 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 my depth here <laughs> um, because I mean, I didn't play football. I've, I've only just been watching it, but that's what I think. Just to film it, uh, not just those, the players, but the coaches too. We're bringing back the same coordinators um, and we have the same coaches. So all of that is just a bunch of people or a bunch of players. Like I say, they know the playbook. They know the coaches. Most of them know each other. I think our defensive line might be one of the most different uh, yeah. units this year. But um, Just because we have two new rookies, they have to play because they were first and second round picks. Yeah, but we but we still got veterans with um, uh, Addison, Hughes, uh, and Star coming back. Um, so if anything, that could be the one thing to look at the, the defensive line, and you know, like I said, we did kind of touch on that. But um, but yeah, like I said, just continuity, it's comfortability. These guys know the playbook, and to me, I would think again, I didn't didn't play football, but not only do all these people like know the stuff, but then you can even learn more on top of it. Whereas I would think other teams, like the more new people to have, it's like they probably have to get down just the basics of like their, their playbooks and stuff like that. Um, with us, it's like not only do we mostly have it down, but we can like just keep adding to it as well. Expand on it. Right. Yeah. And like I said, this, that question is a little out of my depth because like, I, I didn't play football or anything, but that that's my thoughts. Oh, you're fine. Uh, you, you answered it pretty well. Um, I, I'm right there with you. I think, I think that it's a little understated, you know, I think that it is something that is super important, you know, because you bring in Julio Jones 
in what late or mid June, really he's not really gonna have a, a like a great grasp on the playbook. Uh, but you said Julio. Did you mean Emmanuel Sanders? No, no, Julio. Like for okay. instance, for the Titans, okay. you know what I mean. Um, if you bring in like a Julio Jones, he's not gonna have a great grasp on the playbook. And then you know, there's other teams who are going out and getting pieces. But for us, we by the end of the season, we had probably a top five defense in the league. By the end of the season, I mean after it was all said and done, <laughs> they were really good. They were really good at the end of the season. Uh, we had a top five offense. Obviously, we were great on special teams. Uh, we had uh, executive of the year, uh, the assistant of the year, and Brian Dable. And uh, Leslie Frazier is definitely nothing to sneeze at as well. He is one of the top uh, coordinators in the league as well. I think that bringing everybody back, and then you replace John Brown with someone who Bean has been trying to acquire for years now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he he knows what Sanders is going to be able to do for this team. Yeah. Honestly, I, I see Beasley and Sanders pretty much playing the same role, just being uh, open and finding those soft spots in the zone underneath. And then you got, you know, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis on the sides and, you know, making plays happen. Gabe Davis can go up and get those jump balls. Stefan Diggs can do every and anything. So, um, and then obviously the defense, you get the defensive line is getting stronger. I think this star is going to be huge for this team because, man, you look at Ed Oliver and uh, he started to come on last year in the one tech, which means he was getting double teamed most of the time. This mm-hmm. year, stars back, stars healthier, stars slimmer, star is, you know, reinvigorated. It looks like it's, it feels like you are cutting out, my friend. Ed Oliver 101. I'm sorry. Sorry, you cut out for about 10 seconds there. You still hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? You can you hear me now? Yeah, I I could hear I could hear you the whole time. So that's my bad. You cut out. No worries. Can you hear me? You cut out after you said yeah, I can hear you. I cut out after what? Um you cut out after saying uh, star talking about star, how he's back and he's slimmer right after that. Yeah. He, he seems to be reinvigorated um, just from hearing him speak, uh, seeing him out there working out. Um, I think that him being able to take on those double teams instead of Ed Oliver, I don't know if there's anybody who can block Ed Oliver one-on-one. And if there are, I don't think there's that many people. Um, I know maybe, like Quentin Nelson, but we don't play the. We we do play the coast this year, actually. But anyway, I digress. Um, I think that Rousseau and Basham are going to come in. They can play defensive tackle as well as defensive end too. I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that. Uh, I, I think they're going to motivate Mario Addison to actually do something this year. Uh, and yeah. then you got Jerry Hughes, who is Mister Consistent. Uh, I'm so excited, man. I, I honestly, man. I personally think that we're above the Chiefs just because the Chiefs have had a lot of turnover. And not only that, but clearly there's something missing there, especially from watching the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I'm 
for us, at least in the NFC Championship game, I know we were riddled with injuries. There were a lot of non-calls, I'll say. <laughs> as far as, you know, cornerbacks holding our wide receivers, which, which I mean, didn't give Josh a whole ton of opportunity. Um, I don't want to make excuses. The Chiefs are great, and, you know, they they, they definitely deserve feeling that we're going to be like those guys this year because I say this all the time, but I believe it so wholeheartedly. We lost three games last year. Two of those games were on rescheduled, like, Tuesday night. Um, really should never have happened, you know what I mean? So if I if I take that into consideration – I think that this year we, we could probably do even better. You know what I mean? All right. So there is two, three, one and four. Number. Okay. Let's do a four. Let's go four. All right. My uh, four is about the tight ends. And I'm curious, you know, like the, the Zach Ertz thing was off and on all off season. Um, what are your thoughts about that not happening? And then... How do you feel about our tight end room going forward? Well, um, I know that this is actually pretty funny because in the Built in Buffalo group chat, this is a pretty uh, hot topic. Um, and, and Vince is is right there in the forefront of all of it. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that obviously Zach Ertz is better than Dawson Knox, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But – I do believe that Dawson Knox has the potential to be an elite tight end. I think he has all the tools and all the uh, the intangibles. He really just needs to be consistent. Yeah. I think that having Zach Ertz come in would be valuable for Dawson Knox in terms of teaching him how to play the game like a great tight end because Zach Ertz is a great tight end. He's probably top five in the league. Um, Wait, you mean Lee Smith didn't do that for Dawson Knox? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Lee Smith was the best example for Dawson Knox. <laughs> <laughs> you could just but, say, like, put on, like, 20 more pounds, and I'll teach you how to block really well. Yeah, block really well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Drop a couple passes there, here and there. But um, I, I like Tyler Croft, but obviously he wasn't a great tight end. He was just serviceable. He, he was reliable. So that was cool. Yeah, uh, he, he flashed for, like, a period in, in Cincinnati, I think, when um, their uh, – I forgot who their number one – guy was he got injured but outside of that i mean you know he couldn't say super healthy and then like you say he didn't really have there, there wasn't really anything great about him i guess yeah he did catch a couple uh game winning touchdown passes for us so do appreciate you for that tyler croft thing that was the one in pittsburgh last year in yeah. josh's second year then there was the one for the rams that we did last year that yeah was, he did well last. in the rams game and everybody like there's so many people like ready to give him like the reins like he's he's tied in one now and uh yeah you didn't hear about him that much afterwards right uh so i i am of the belief that zach Ertz coming in first of all i think that it's still a possibility i don't think the eagles want zach Ertz on the roster i don't necessarily think he wants to be on the eagles roster um i think that uh you know i think the eagles are just looking for basically above value compensation you know, because he is a great tight end. Unfortunately, he had a down year last year, so his stock is a little down. Uh, but I think that they want competition 
compensation based on what they believe his value is worth. And mm-hmm. you know how Bean is. Bean sets values for players, and he doesn't go above it, you know, which is part of him being such a great general manager. So I think that eventually this will come down to what Bean is asking for or what Bean was offering. And I think that it will happen uh, sooner or later. Um, I'm of that belief. Um, and I think that Dawson Knox will be better for it because Zach Ertz is going to be here forever. He might be here one year, maybe two. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that going forward, Zach, I'm sorry, Dawson Knox will be the tight end of the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Zach Ertz would have definitely came in and been the best tight end and, uh, you know, it would have been good for us. Um, I'm okay with it not happening. And, and I just, and I'll just say, I'm kind of curious to see what Dawson Knox and like Jacob Hollister can do. Um, I know Hollister isn't like a huge name, but he had a, a pretty decent season last year. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, his chemistry with Josh Allen because they played at Wyoming. And honestly, I, I don't know if I subscribe to that t- too much. Um, Cause they've done it the same with Tanner Gentry. And for me, I, I think Josh Allen is not the same quarterback he was at Wyoming. You know, it's been it's been like four years since then. So when they talk about this chemistry, I'm like, do they even have that chemistry anymore? Like I said, he's a totally different player. Um, again, I didn't play, but I don't know if you can come back to somebody four years later who's completely different and like, oh, you know, we still have chemistry. Maybe they do, but I, I don't think it's a given. Um, but yeah, I, I'm confident that Dawson Knox, you know, can improve. And I hope he does. Like you said, he's got like all the, uh, the traits and everything. And again, him and Jacob Hollister and who knows, maybe even Tommy Sweeney can come in and uh, be a decent, you know, uh, tight end three. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what they can do like with what we have right now. Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on the same page. I think they were fine, even if we don't get Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz is just, you know, putting more candy in the candy shop. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, at this point, he he would just be a luxury. Yeah. All right. So, um, do you want to go ahead and, and pick another number? You have picked two, three, and five so far. Okay, uh, let's go with number ten. Number. And the coaching staff. Uh, obviously, Brian Dayball is probably in his final year in Buffalo. Chances are. Uh, the only reason he stayed this year was because the Bills went so far in the playoffs and all the coaches' jobs have been taken up by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there is some speculation that... I just want to say real quick, that's just such a weird thing to me that these teams... I mean, you you see like what Brian Dable did as a as an offensive coordinator. Like how how can you not just want to wait like a couple more weeks to and bring him in and like and get your guy? You know, like I mean, this is your head coach. I just that's that's crazy to me that some people are like, no, we want something right now. And yeah. again, maybe they buy themselves. It's like a couple weeks. I just that's crazy to me. For years of turnover, like you know, you're you're typically going to give your head coach at least one or two, three years if if they're even bad. So uh, yeah, you're right. I, I totally agree with you. I don't understand that way of thinking at all. But um, he probably is going to be gone. There's some speculation that Ken Dorsey would step up into that offensive 
coordinator position. First of all, how do you feel about Brian Dayball and what he's done? And secondly, do you feel like Ken Dorsey could pick up the, you know, the reins and, and take them moving forward? Um, you know, when it comes to judging offensive coordinators, again, I'm not super uh, smart enough to go and make my own decisions. I kind of just listen to the smarter people and see what they're saying. Um, I remember Dable's first year, 2018. I, there were some people who like wanted him fired like halfway through the season, and I was I, one of them. <laughs> yeah, and I had those frustrations too. I was, I just, I wasn't sure if he's going to stick around. Um, you know, the next year he did a little better. I think we still wanted more out of our offense, but I think we knew that we we needed a little bit more to it. It, it wasn't all on him, um, but he's shown to be a very capable like offensive coordinator you just you, you got to give them the the pieces you know um so i'm really happy uh, i'll be a little bit bummed to see him go but obviously that's what you got to do what was the second part to your question ken dorsey uh do you think that he'll be able to come in and you know just pick up where where dayball left off um that's a big ask i mean because we were one of the best offenses offenses last season and i'm sure will be a good offense this season uh i mean ken dorsey's been here for a couple years so i would think he's pretty familiar with the system as well and i would definitely like to see him get the opportunity as well um there's some people who always say like he doesn't have any play calling experience and and i think that's kind of a ridiculous thing to say because if you only hire (laughs) Um, offensive coordinators with play calling experience, eventually they're all going to be dead. And <laughs> who are you going to hire? You know, um, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere. And I was curious one time I, I looked at every team's offensive coordinator and I, and I was like, what was their position before they became an offensive coordinator? And the vast majority of them were quarterbacks coaches, um, like over half of them were quarterbacks coaches and obviously that's what Ken Dorsey is right now. So he seems to be following like the pathway to, to being an offensive quarter coordinator. Sorry. And he did um, interview the year we ended up going with uh, Rick Dennison. So to me, that says he thinks he's capable. Like he's got ideas. He wants to take on that responsibility. Um, so yeah, I, I, that would probably be my, be my pick. Somebody within the building who's, familiar with it um he was a quarterback (laughs) for what it's worth so i think you know that it's already lending his expertise so i'd be interested to know how that can contribute to you know being an offensive play caller as well so uh yeah i i would like to see him get a shot for sure if this is dable's last call which i and i think it will be his last year too yeah, it's it's kind of inevitable. He's done such a great job, unless he completely falls off a cliff this year, which I don't think any of us are hoping for. Uh, but real quick, I did just want to say that Dayball's rookie season as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, at least uh, for the Bills, there was nothing around Josh Allen. And I think we all put a little too much onus, me included. I am uh, taking full accountability. Uh, I think we put a little bit too much onus on Ryan Dayball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no talent. Right. Calvin Benjamin the, was our number one receiver. Like, yeah, on the skill positions or the, the offensive line. The line was awful. Like, yeah. I, I went back and watched some of the games, and it was just dreadful to watch. Like, people were coming in as soon as the ball was done. It was disgusting. But um, his second year, if you pay attention, in the first game versus Jets, we started out five wide. 
in pretty much, I think, the entire maybe first two series was like five wide, everything just passed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? But we saw what happened this year where we pretty much did the same thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, okay, so I saw Brian Dayball trying to do that last year. Only problem was we didn't have a Stefan Diggs. You know, John Brown was our number one guy, and obviously he's not a game changer. He's a great wide receiver, just not a game changer like yeah. Stefan Diggs is. So, you know, you 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 put Stefan Diggs on the field and you're able to just create a lot more production through the air. And that's that's what it was. Uh, because as soon as we got Stefan Diggs, Josh took off and 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 Stefan took off, and there was the right pieces that fit together and, and everything kind of just came together perfectly. So uh, I think that with that being said, Brian Dayball looked like a bad OC in his first year because there was no talent. So Ken Dorsey would be coming into a position where there is talent there already. So yeah. all he has to do is put things together. So uh, I think that that will bode well for him. Yeah. And he's coming in and he's seen firsthand like what works. So right. hopefully he, he doesn't like come in and think I want to do things my way. Um, I hope he would be of like sound mind to say, okay, like this is what works. Let's stick with that. But again, you know, obviously he's going to want to try some new things and you know, it's definitely not a bad thing. Um, sometimes Dable was a little predictable, even in that final season, even into this past season, you know, there's um, I remember every now and then the year before when there was like Frank Gore, it was like if Frank Gore was in there and you were in the red zone, it's like we're probably going to hand the ball off to Frank Gore and have him run it up the middle. And it was just yeah. it's like, come on, dude, like do something else. There was another time. I think it was actually this past season when we had a really good offense. You know, it was like fourth and short. We're going to go for it. And I think I was like, oh, man, like Josh is probably going to like fake a handoff to a running back and then try to run it up the middle himself. And he did. And he got stopped. And it was a turnover on downs. And I remember thinking, like, if I'm if I'm predicting this, like me, like, <laughs> you know, the defenses are. Um, but it was it was much more seldom. I'm not saying he's super predictable, but um, he, he got much better. Obviously, it was a it was a great offense this year. So. Yeah, I agree. And um, to your point, there were a couple like quarterback sneaks where everybody saw it come in, but Josh was just a beast and, and ended up getting them anyway. <laughs> so, right. Um, next question would be, I'm so sorry. I'm blanking right now. You Is have, it? I have two and three left for you. Perfect. All right. So I just, just finished the sandwich. I, I'll go two and then uh, end it off with three. All right. So two is about the defensive line and we have touched on it a lot. Um, you know, for me, I was a little surprised to see us go back-to-back defensive ends. Um, and it was almost like, I mean, we saw the the youth issue in our defensive room. Like, we saw it, and we that we, this needs to be fixed, you know, because we could be in trouble in a couple of years. And uh, Brandon Bean was like, I got this, don't worry. Um, you know, he got A.J. Epinesa because he fell so low in the second round. Um, this year he went with uh, Gregory Rousseau and then another defensive end with Carlos Basham. Um, so they're joining a room with Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, AJ Epinesa, um, F.A. Obata. And then at the, I feel the bottom of the, uh, the totem pole is um, Daryl Johnson. Johnson. Yep. Correct. Johnson. I always get mixed up because of all the, the Daryl Williams and the Daryls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you see this defensive end room kind of shaking out? Like, what do you want to see happen? What do you think? I'm excited. I think that there's promise. Um, 
Epinesa was a second round pick and he didn't really get to play last year. So we don't really know what to expect, but yeah. I mean, he's the second round pick. So I'm hoping I'm expecting good things. Um, then obviously Basham, people think he's better than Rousseau. So, I mean, that should be a good pick. And then Rousseau had a half a sack less than Chase Young, who's the number two overall pick. So who's to say that Rousseau, if he would have played last year, wouldn't have been the next Chase Young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I can't. Um, and plus, you know, I'm hearing great things out of camp. They're talking, you know, Leslie Frazier has had amazing words about Gregory Rousseau, saying that basically he's able to take what he's told and put it onto the field almost immediately. He says for a lot of guys, even veterans, it takes repetition to be able to do it. But Rousseau just has it like that. So I'm really excited. I, I think that our defensive line is going to shock some people. Um, and I'm hoping it can be like a Washington situation where you bring in the guy and everybody else kind of benefits from it. You look at Montez Sweat wasn't super great, but as soon as Chase Young came, Montez Sweat just took off. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping uh, same situation applies here. Uh, Jerry Hughes is always consistent. Not worried about him. But I think that between Russo, Basham, Addison, Epinesa, one of those four guys on the other side has to hit. If none of them hit, then like what are I don't even there's no like I don't even know what the chances of that is. You know yeah, I mean? one of them has to hit. Yeah. Otherwise, I think you have like a coaching issue if yeah. if you can't do that. Um yeah, so sorry, a little lost there. Um I, I think Daryl Johnson is uh is probably gone. I, I feel like he's on the outside looking and he's had two years and you know i don't think he's he's made the most out of them um and that but that still leaves us with uh, i'm sorry hughes addison basham rousseau epinesa and obata that's six right there and we have been known to carry five um i feel like you're not i i, I would be bummed to not see fa obata like be able to contribute but again that's six defensive ends so my thought is um how crazy do you think it might be uh that maybe mario addison is traded or gone before you know the season starts or maybe at the beginning of the season don't think that's crazy at all Honestly, yeah i, I think you see daryl Lim probably make the roster sorry Daryl johnson <laughs> i think you probably say daryl johnson make the roster before you see mario addison make the roster personally i just I don't see it happening personally. Um, although you could say maybe Basham and Russo the you know be defensive tackles as well. So you may be able to swing a sixth defensive end, but I don't see Mario Williams being on this team in week one of the regular season. I yeah. think that's really hard for me. Yeah, because you have Epinesa who is He's he's got a, a year under his belt, and now he you know he's at the right weight that they want him at. People mentioned how he was changing his body throughout last season. And he's a roster incredible. lock as well. Like you're yeah. not going to give up on that type of investment in the second Correct. round. Correct. And Hughes, I think Hughes is going to give you exactly what he gave us last year. I don't see him really declining much. I think he can have another solid year. Um, he's a captain. He's been around this long. I think he'll be there. So him, Epinesa, obviously Rousseau and Basham. They're roster locks. They're first and second round picks. And some people uh, touted Basham as like a first round pick, kind of like yep. Vanessa. So they're not going anywhere. Um, some people had a higher grade on Basham than they did Rousseau. Yeah, definitely. 
And then again, Obata sounds exciting to me. I, I would really kind of like to see what he can it's do. Weird. He's he almost kind of seems a little similar um, to Rousseau. Like you know, he's he's tall, he's lengthy, and you know, you hear about just his his athleticism and how crazy it is. So for me, uh, you know, Mario Addison, he got a kind of a big contract, but he's older. He didn't really show up last season. We restructured him. Um, this is his final year, and we can still save some cap space if we trade him or move him around and so for me i look at addison as like an obstacle it's uh my one of my things is um bruce nolan from bruce exclusive he just says how snaps are capital like they're valuable and i don't i i would not know i don't know how much snaps i want mario addison taking away from these young guys like that's a very yeah good point. and not that again not that they're going to come in and light it up but again with the preseason it's uh, with the preseason. If week one comes and Rousseau is a healthy scratch, then I think something went wrong. Um, I think now that we have a preseason, we shouldn't just see these uh, young guys being healthy scratches because you know there just wasn't enough time to to get them in there. So with all that, like I said, I think if I and I've heard other people say too, if we could get a fifth round pick for Addison. Um, well, he's only got one year for a team who'd be taking him. So, gosh, even if it's a six, I'd say I say move him. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm right with you. All right. Uh, so, you want to give me another number? Yes. Um, how about for this last one? I mean, I would pick, but is there a question that you have that you really want to talk about that maybe like you're hoping I pick? Or are they all pretty equal? Uh, yeah. Actually, I wanted your opinion on this is will be question number eight uh the special teams just mm-hmm. overall uh we don't have Corey Bohorquez anymore because he decided he wanted to get a payday after cashing in on only por- punting less than 50 times you know what I mean like <laughs> but in any case uh we have Tyler Bass who seems to me to be very talented uh Matt Hawk and then we no longer have uh Andre Roberts. So where do you see the special teams kind of going this year? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bummed that Andre Roberts is gone because that kind of leaks into my final question, which is like about the wide receivers. Um, you can almost expect that last wide receiver to be some type of punt or kick returner. Um, so with him being gone, I think we downgraded at punter. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, Bajorquez didn't want to do a, a long-term thing, I think McDermott said, which for me, I think, okay, fine. He doesn't want to do a long-term. If he wants to sign another one-year deal, then sign a one-year deal. I just looked it up. I guess he signed with the Rams in LA. Um, he's from California, I believe. So I wonder if he just maybe wanted to be that closer to home. Um, this California boys probably just can't handle that Buffalo winter. So maybe he just wanted to come back. Um, so it, it sounds like we downgraded with Matt Hawk. He sounds like he'll be okay, but it does seem he does. I've heard he's inconsistent. So uh, I feel like that's how he's going to be. And then as far as the, well, Tyler Bass, I hope he can just continue doing what he's doing. You know, he had a bit of a rough start. You know, he missed two field goals, even though one of them should have been counted as uh, counted as good. But he did really well last season. I hope he can continue it playing in full stadiums. Hopefully, like the noise and the fans don't don't rattle him. But again, we have a 
we have preseason. So hopefully he can work through those jitters then. It. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so it's kick and punt returner. Um, Isaiah McKenzie seems like the lead because he can do both, and therefore that's only one roster spot handling both of those. He obviously had issues you know, with ball security. Um, he did well in the Miami game, probably better than well. But, uh, you know, can he, if he is given the job, can he continue it? And, um, yeah, I'm not too thrilled about how they kind of handled that because they're bringing in guys who can do one or the other, but not both. So if it's not Isaiah McKenzie, then you need two guys who can, you know, do one and one who can do the other. Unless you have someone like, um, you know, I have Mark has Stevenson returned kicks. Maybe he learns to do punts or uh, there is another guy. We I was at Brandon Powell that we signed. Yep. Who, I, oh, I, think, well, I forgot about Powell. Yeah. Yeah. He can do one, but I mean, I don't think he can contribute on offense like at all. So I don't know how, um, how attractive that choice is. People talk about Matt Breida returning kicks or punts, but I think he's done it like three times in the NFL. So I don't know if that's something you want to do. So, Isaiah McKenzie seems like the front runner and Hey, if he can fix his ball securities, then great. Because then not only is he taking care of that part of a uh, special teams, but he also contributes more on the offense, like more than Andre Roberts did. But I think we're all going to be holding our breath for a few weeks when the season starts with Isaiah. If, if it's Isaiah McKenzie back there. I, I, I agree there. Um, I think for me, you know, uh, Corey Bohorkis didn't very – he was very inconsistent in his first year, mm-hmm. uh, like super inconsistent. It was it was honestly hard to watch a lot of times. Um, I know that Matt Hawk is a bit of a trick play guy. He's able to throw and, and run a little bit so he can make some things happen as far as if, you know, we're not necessarily comfortable punting the ball or but don't necessarily want to go for it either so you can maybe surprise a, a, a you know, a defense – special teams, whatever. Uh, so, and, and again, Corbin Horkis kicked, he punted less than 50 times last year. I think any NFL punter should be able to be consistent, you know, if you're only punting 50 times, you know. So Josh Allen had more total touchdowns than Corbin Horkis punts. That's unheard of, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think uh, we're going to be fine in that aspect. I'm hoping that Tyler Bass is able to, stay consistent like you said and uh and yeah maybe i forgot about brian powell though um that's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting to to see the return game um you know and, and how they how they mesh together uh, yeah and, but, it keeps, and i keep going back to again like why it's, i'm just happy there's going to be a preseason because we get to see these competitions happen and we don't have to just rely on what people are saying from practice and stuff like that and then it's like well here's the season this is what they went with uh now we kind of get to see how these like will factor in right so but um so your last question will be question number three yes and it is on the wide receivers and we kind of touched on it so I'll, i'll kind of trim it down um first off stefan diggs cole beasley uh emmanuel sanders gabe davis I think it's pretty safe to say that those are locks like they are going to be our wide receivers so for i'm curious how you feel about those how those last two slots will shake out 
Um, I kind of touched on Isaiah McKenzie. He kind of seems like the front runner because he can return kicks and punts and he contributes to his offense. He's got experience in this system. Do you, would, would you, so let's just get that out of the way. Do you think it's fair to say that he probably has a spot because of that as of right now? Yeah. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, he was talking about it, you know, the entire off season, basically, you know, he, he wanted, he wanted a, a, at least a bit of a payday. Unfortunately, we didn't have like a ton of money to go around. So he was, he had to take like a minimum deal, but uh, he had eight touchdowns last year. I think it was eight total touchdowns, which is like, I think he had more than Stefan Diggs. Yeah. So, right. I mean, by one. Yeah. So it's not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that that type of production from your fifth or sixth receiver is, is nuts. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I think that he's, probably a lot to make the team mm-hmm. um i don't want to say a lot but i think this i'm very confident he'll make the team because yeah the odds are in his favor for sure yeah because i remember when it was him and robert foster and they were kind of like that redundant pair and he ended up beating out robert foster although i really liked robert foster yeah um so hopefully he's able to you know keep keep that job and and, and stay consistent and be a big part of this offense going forward because I think he can be a gadget player and be good, good at it. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, the second half of the season, he did. He, I think he did better. He was actually. Uh, I always make this joke, like he was actually doing like real big boy touchdowns, where he's you know running routes and catching passes instead of just uh, you know going in motion and getting like a handoff and you know running it around uh, like the side. He was like I said, he was actually running routes and making catches. So the second half of that season, I he definitely kind of like went up in in my book so um it'd be nice to see him continue there and uh you know you mentioned his eight touchdowns and i'm not trying to take anything away from him but i mean in this offense everybody was eating you know even gabe davis a rookie fourth rounder who i don't think many of us expected had almost 600 receiving yards and i think he even had about like seven touchdowns like five six or seven right somewhere in that area so everybody was eating um, we had the most, uh, different like players, like catching touchdowns, like this season. So like, yeah, McKenzie is talented, but I mean, Dable was, uh, you know, calling some good plays and, and scheming people open as well. And it, and people want to say he had eight touchdowns. He did this. It's like, well then why did they let him test the market? And then when they brought him back, they gave him the minimum, you know, that, that isn't, <laughs> he, Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but this team was ready or prepared for him to be gone. Um, but anyway, so I guess it comes down to that last spot. The Bills always carry six receivers. Um, who do you think, who would you like to see in that final spot? And who do you think might get it? Honestly, it's probably going to be Brian Powell, just off the strength that Marquez Stevenson is a rookie and he mm-hmm. can be placed on the practice squad, uh, you know, probably with very minimal uh consequence um so I, I would say probably it'll be brian powell and and that's really my only reasoning as to why okay i would maybe say um i think i'm leaning towards i don't know if i'm forgetting something but isaiah hodgins i don't know if you Ooh, forgot about him i, I mean did. six foot four uh you know they drafted him last year his his college red zone statistics were crazy Insane. and yeah, unfortunately, he got injured. Um, to me, that's a guy that I, I think you want to see in action before you let him go. So 
Um, and last year, John Brown was actually talking about how Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins were the two best rookies he's ever played with in his career. He's talking yeah. about how they knew the playbook better than any of the veteran receivers. Which is kind of sad to say. If I'm John Brown, it's like, why do they know the, the playbook better than you? You've been Especially here you than- who've been – exactly, you've been here. So, you know, yeah. uh, it probably speaks to why he's not here anymore. Maybe yeah. a little bit, but we'll see. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if if he's healthy on the Ravers, uh, the Raiders, I think he's gonna he'll that'll be a good signing for them. I think he'll definitely contribute to that wide receiver room. Uh, yeah. So good. I, I wish him the best. Um, yeah. I love John yeah. Brown. I, I wish he would stay healthy, but yeah. Yeah. If he would have, then our offense could have been even better. I think so. I agree. But uh, so yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Isaiah Hodgins possibly for that spot. Um, uh, you know, Marquez Stevenson, if he can't beat out Isaiah McKenzie, then like you said, he's uh, then I think that kind of makes him redundant. And then he definitely goes to the practice squad for a while and maybe is groomed to take over for McKenzie. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I keep saying it preseason, it's just it's cool that we're going to be able to see like these guys in action. Whereas last year, you had to take the team's word for it and then you, you got the 53 and you got it. So. Yeah, I'm excited for the preseason, honestly. <laughs> so, Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, appreciate you guys for listening to Buffalo on the Brain with Vince Taylor. But today is with Justice and Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it was fun kicking it with you, Jeremy. Uh, appreciate you, you know, joining us here at the Built to Buffalo Network. It's always a pleasure. And we're definitely going to talk and uh, you're going to be on the windshield factor soon. So looking uh, forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we are out. All right, Bills Mafia, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Thank you to Justice General and BFF Jeremy for raising the bar of quality around this joint. I really appreciate you picking up the slack for me. Uh, I'll be back next week. And uh, until then, squeeze somebody close to you. Go Bills. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just, we're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So if you would... Would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell uh, uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Uh, Peter, would you be a good sport and indulge us and just tell us a little more? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about TPS reports. Uh, The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. Don't, don't care? It's a problem of motivation, all right? Now, if I work my ass off and Initech ships a few extra units, I don't see another dime. So where's the motivation? And here's something else, Bob. I have eight different bosses right now. Uh, beg your pardon? Eight bosses. Eight? Eight, Bob. So that means that when I make a mistake, I have eight different people coming by to tell me about it. That's my only real motivation, is not to be hassled. That and the fear of losing my job. But you know, Bob, that'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Would you bear with me for just a second, please? Okay. 
What if, and believe me, this is so <laughs> hypothetical. But what if you were offered some kind of a stock option equity sharing program? Would that do anything for you? I don't know, I guess. Listen, I'm gonna go. Uh, it's been really nice talking to both of you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the pleasure's you. all on this side yeah. of the table, trust me. Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> Go.